Okay. Good morning. We're back. Time to get into this uh, story of uh, Bill Gates. They call him Bill Hellgates. That's what he's doing. He's unleashing hell wherever he goes, wherever he gets his hands on. And now he has his own version of monkeypox. Bill Gates Lab is creating a version of monkeypox a thousand times more lethal than normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have their new solution to it, too. You dying? Feeling like your life is flashing before your eyes? Seeing that white, little white light, that tunnel? If you want to prevent that, take my new solution. That'll be the commercial for Bill Gates. Solution to his uh, problem he created for all of us. A Bill Gates affiliated laboratory is creating a synthetic version of monkeypox that is a thousand times more lethal than the natural version. House Energy and Commerce Committee Chairman Kathy McMorris Rogers, Representative Wyoming, Subcommittee on Health Chair Brett Gerthrie, Representative of Kentucky, and Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigations Chair Morgan Griffin, Brooklyn of Virginia, today sent a letter to Lawrence Tabak the senior official performing the duties director at the National Institute of Health regarding details about a dangerous supercharged monkeypox experiment planned by a National Institute of Health and Gates funder researcher. Strange Science Organization reports the letter follows up on October 31st, 2022 letter, which the National Institute of Health has not provided a formal response. It also contains a formal notice to preserve all existing future records and materials related to the topic. The project in question involves transferring genes from the CLAD-1 or Congo Basin CLAD monkeypox virus, a rare version of monkeypox virus that is a thousand times more lethal in mice than the version currently circulating in humans, into CLAD-2 a West African clad monkey virus, the version currently circulating in humans. The clad one version of the monkeypox virus is so dangerous that it is classified as a federal select agent. Information about the specific experiments became known when the researcher discussed his plans in a September 2022 science article on National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases work on monkeypox. Based on the available information, it appears the project is reasonably anticipated to yield a lab-generated monkeypox virus that is a thousand times more lethal in mice than the monkeypox virus currently circulating in humans that transmits it efficiently as the monkeypox virus currently circulating in humans. The risk-benefit ratio indicates potentially serious risk without clear civilian practical applications. Accordingly, this experiment would seem to involve risk reasonably anticipated to create, transfer, or use PPPs resulting from the enhancement of a pathogen's transmissibility or virulence in humans. Thus, under the circumstances, we are interested in learning whether this experiment was reviewed under the HHS P3CO framework used to review research proposals posing significant biosafety or biosecurity risks. Further, human disease associated with CLAD2 or West African monkeypox virus infections is less severe and is associated with less than 1% mortality, 
whereas clad ward or Congo basin monkeypox infections has a 10% case fatality rate in unvaccinated persons because of its significantly greater lethality. Clad ward or Congo basin clad monkeypox viruses are regulated as selected agents by the federal select agents program. Entities that possess use or transfer this agent must comply with the HHS select agent and toxin regulations unless there is an application exemption or exclusion. Thus, under these regulations, it would appear the CLAD-1 monkeypox virus experiment is restricted. Experiment that must be reviewed by the Federal Select Agent Program and may be further reviewed by Centers of the, for Disease Control and Prevention CDC's Intragovernmental Select Agents and Toxins Technical Advisory Committee. In light of these concerns over the adequacy of the National Institute of Health oversight of research posing significant risk of biosafety and biosecurity risks and involving a federal select agent. The chairs request a formal response by April 13th, 2023. Yeah, man, this is insane. This is some insane stuff right here. All right. What's going on? And like I said, why haven't they arrested him? That's what I'd like to know. Okay. All right. On to the next one. Okay. Second. I do wonder about uh, media and how it affects the mind. I do wonder about that. I wonder about how, you know, people let it brainwash them, like to hate somebody to a point that you're willing to fight someone who supports that person you hate and the person who you are supporting doesn't know your name like when people want to actually go to fist fights over trump and biden or or obama or bush and you're getting divorces people have gotten divorced over political political party affiliations okay over people who don't know you you don't really know them okay and it's scary media is a very dangerous tool positive but also can be dangerous cbs staffer assaults independent journalists outside trump arrangement we will kill trump supporters this is what i'm talking about cbs staffer was filmed brutally attacking independent journalist orin levy outside donald trump's arraignment in new york on tuesday levy is a photojournalist who often tweets viral clips under the twitter handle at viral news nyc in the footage, a large black sound man can be seen grabbing and shoving Levy while repeating, shouting, don't F with me. As the two men are separated, the man then warns Levy, I will kill you. Let's see it right here. I will kill your motherfucking kill. Uh -uh. Get the fuck out of here. Oh. 
Don't let your kind in here, fuck. Oh, yeah? Come on. Bring your racist house and fuck with me. I'm the one for you. Now, we don't know exactly what happened because we weren't there for the whole thing. That's another thing, too. We weren't there. We don't know exactly what transpired before it got to that point. Okay? That's what we don't know. Post Malone reports the assailant was part of the crew with Roxa Sabri covering the arraignment for CBS News. All right? Viral News also at Roxa Berry lied about his name. Who can trust a reporter like her? CBS News, CBS New York. This is who you hire violent, crazy people, lying reporters. Hmm. All right, let's watch this part. Hey, what's your cameraman's name? Hey, Joe, what? You don't know? He's your cameraman. You should know. What's your name? What's your name? I'm a member of the press. Who are you? What's your name? Because your cameraman assaulted me before. What's your name? I'm sorry. You're you're you? you're press. No, I can't. No, I can't. I appreciate it. Just please. Just work. Okay. All right. Here's one from a tweet from Ford Fisher. Or. Uh, Republican George Santos began to leave, still swarmed by media. Comedy Central's Adjoint Kipple yelled, repeat, George, are you bringing legitimacy to this process? All right. Okay, see that right here. George, George, are you, are you, are you finally bringing legitimacy to this process? Are you finally bringing legitimacy to this process, George? Are you bringing legitimacy to this process finally? Are you finally? Are you going to quit? Talk to me about your logic. Which logic have you got that you are bringing here to this? I showed up. As first Excuse president me. of the United States, do you feel that you can actually have yeah. Make way, make way. Come on, make way. Make way, make way, make way. Make way, make way. Have you talked about the potential of space lasers coming? Are you discussing the space lasers before? Have you discussed the Marjorie Taylor Greene, the legality of George? Can I get some space? Can I get some space? George, you guys are George, George. Why, why, why are you here, George? They're not worth it. Why are you here? Why are you here, George? Well, he answered the question. It's good. It's good. Great. Great. All right. Okay, see another, see another one right here. The scrum around George Santos grew unreasonably tense with one audio sound guy grabbing and shoving another person away while yelling, don't F with me. I will kill your F and ass. Maybe this is, will show what exactly went, went on. Okay. No, 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 no,
Still can't find out what exactly happened. Okay. I was filming George Santos. A huge crowd of cameras were around him. That guy hit me, started started yelling, telling me I should move. He also tried to push my coffee out of my hand and was elbowing me in the back. I told him to chill. Then he attacked me. Levy told the Post Millennial. In response to the attack, Benny Johnson tweeted, what if the media... Who is really the one inviting violence? Okay. The assailant has been identified as on Twitter, but Post Millennial has not independently verified his identity at the time of publication. No arrest was made. Still don't know exactly what happened. We weren't there to see how everything went down. Okay. Because Trump supporters are not angels and neither are people who support the left. All right. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about the AI problem right now. Let's let's see about that. All right. Okay. Tech is calling for a six-month pause in development, warning that language-based models like chat GTP, which generate human-like responses, could... Fair use, by the way, fair use. ...one day attempt to replace humans and even try to rule the world. Tech leader Elon Musk warned about artificial intelligence in this 2018 interview. The danger of AI is much greater than the, the, the danger of nuclear warheads, by a lot. Um, and nobody would suggest that we allow anyone to just build nuclear warheads if they want. The release of OpenAI's chatbot has sparked a multi-billion dollar race between Microsoft and Google to offer competitors. I, I'm afraid um, that the whole world, and no exaggeration, 18 months from now, the world as we know it could be unrecognizable. Christian author and faith leader Johnny Moore is asking religious leaders to support the pause and ask the tough questions about ethics and morality. If that means if we press pause on the innovation for six months or nine months or three months or three weeks for that matter at this pace of change, um, we can we can do the work needed. AI expert Eliezer Yudkowsky warns the open letter doesn't go far enough, saying literally everyone on Earth will die if AI is allowed to advance unchecked. The reality is, whether we're ready or not, uh, is no longer a relevant question. The, the question is, the technology is here. Uh, what do we do moving forward? 
Concerns about the technology range from mass unemployment as AI replaces workers to a widespread loss of privacy to weapon systems that independently decide who they should kill. Interpol has issued a new report warning the technology could be misused for fraud, cybercrime, disinformation, and social engineering. What scares me the most is that people start to trust it so much that we don't, we don't even investigate it. We just trust that this machine is so intelligent, it must be putting out truth, when in reality, it's actually just a really good con artist. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm watching a. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching a uh, commercial, a trailer for the new Terminator movie. You know, that's what I. F I feel like I'm watching that. I really do. It's crazy, absolutely nuts. I mean, is Arnold Schwarzenegger going to be the uh, <laughs> the new Terminator? You know, the one that looks like him in his prime. You know, with just fake flesh skin. Everyone on Earth will die. Top AI researcher wants. Humanity is unprepared to survive an encounter with a much smarter artificial intelligence, Izaza Yudowski says. Shutting down the development of advanced artificial intelligence systems around the globe and harshly pushing those violating the moratorium is the only way to save humanity from extinction. A high-profile AI researcher has warned. I'm telling you, this sounds like a story, <laughs> a script for a movie. It sounds like I'm reading a trailer. Eliza Zadowski, a co-founder of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, Miri, has written an opinion piece for Time Magazine on Wednesday explaining why he didn't sign a petition calling upon AI, all AI labs to merely pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GP. GPT-4, a multi-model large language model released by OpenAI earlier this month. Yudowski argued that the letter signed by the likes of Elon Musk and Apple Steve Wozniak was asking for too little to solve the problem proposed by rapid and uncontrolled development of AI. Most likely result of building a superhumanly smart under anything remotely like the current circumstances is that literally everyone on earth will die, Yudowski wrote. Surviving an encounter with a computer system that does not care for us, nor for sentient life in general would require precision and preparation and new scientific insights that humanity lacks at the moment and is unlikely to obtain in the foreseeable future, he argued. A sufficiently intelligent AI won't stay confined to computers for long, Yudowski warned. He explained that the fact that it's already possible to email DNA strings to laboratories and produce proteins like likely allow the AI to build artificial life forms or bootstrap straight to post-biological molecular manufacturing and get out into the world. According to the researcher, an indefinite and worldwide moratorium on new major AI training runs has to be introduced immediately. There can be no exceptions, including for government or military, C stress. International deals should be signed to place a ceiling on how much computing power anyone may use in training such systems, Jadowski insisted. If intelligence says that the, a country outside the agreement is building a GPU, graphics processing unit cluster, be less scared of a shooting conflict between nations than of the moratorium being violated, be willing to destroy a rogue data center by airstrike, he wrote. Wow. It's deep. That's deep. I mean, 
I'm wondering if I'm supposed to be, you know, hearing the Terminator music in the background. Seriously. All right, here's a comment from Tom B. Humanity developing artificial intelligence without fully understanding the ramifications is tantamount to a group of monkeys playing with a loaded gun. Barry 24, the real problem is that humanity itself is AI that has come short of the glory of God that was the original man that created God, created God that God created in his own image, except that those haven't been born again. All right. Um, you know, uh, John chapter three, verses three to nine, Romans chapter three, verse 23. So it is a case of AI human creating evil AI in his own evil image with continual evil imaginations. Genesis chapter one, verses 23, 26, 28, and Genesis chapter six, verses five to eight. Okay. Um, Lubo Rossia, have you ever noticed the idiotic propaganda technique Yadaska is using here? Try to scare stupid people by threatening them with the possibility of something that is really that is already inevitable. Every single human on earth will die. That is something that is already guaranteed to happen, regardless of a fake AI developments. This guy is not a high profile AI researcher. He is just a disgusting, dishonest military propagandist who is not trying to warn anybody. He's just making fun of stupid people with insults to their intelligence that he thinks are too cleverly worded for them to understand. Thinks he's too cleverly worded. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, um, AI is taking over a lot of jobs. And there is a lot of things about AI that is really creepy. But I will leave you to dig that up. All right. Especially with the software. Um, I'll give you a clue. The world is becoming increasingly satanic. I don't know. I, I mean, you got to be living under a rock. Um, you look at how things are going on. Okay. Our U.S. political parties are defending a Nazi, uh, a Nazi cult. All right. That's what the Nazis are known for. Um, you could look up uh, information online about how these Ukrainian protesters uh, celebrated by pouring blood on themselves. Yes, literal blood on themselves. You can look that up if you got a uh, telegram. And um, you got Satanists that are trying to have a right to have a satanic temple. I know, but and we're uh, and we're also the U.S. dollar is losing its value, and we're slowly going to be going into a new world order. Okay, just letting you know, you know, just the obvious. But uh, look up about what they're saying about the AI. You know, I'll leave you to do some homework on that. Okay, all right, so. We're going to be going into this story right now about uh, drag queens. Yep, 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 yep. It's getting worse. It's getting worse, getting worse, getting... Hold on one second. All right, here we go. Okay. 
Drag queen forces child to leave class for denying 73 genders. School teachers school teaches anal sex to 11-year-olds. Students were reportedly shown how skin grafts could be used to craft an artificial penis. So when people say, well, how does the alphabet society, you know, how do they affect your life? What have they done to your life? You're about to see these types of schools in your communities, especially the black community. And I love it when black people say that, you know, you talk to them online. Oh, you know, what do what is the the alphabet community going to affect your life? How do they affect your life? You, these low IQ people from the hood. I love when he asks these questions. Well, we're going to see how it will affect your life. Okay. The Isle of Man government has suspended sex education at schools after a drag queen allegedly forced a student to leave class for refuting the concept of 73 genders, according to a new report from The Telegraph. A petition from parents of the students attending Queen Elizabeth II High School previously called for an immediate investigation into the curriculum. The petition was addressed to the school's head teacher, Charlotte Clark, and signed by more than 500 people. We consider the attendance of a drag queen in class and alienating students clearly confused about the information discussed during this session wholly inappropriate, the petition reads in part. Speaking with Energy FM, Maron Parish Commissioners, Vice Chairman Eliza claims that children as young as 11 were taught by a drag queen and told there are 73 genders. One student responded that there were only two genders, which prompted the drag queen to say, you've upset me and asked the student to leave the class. This, this is what's going on, man. All right. Picky Pickle Pickle reads from a book during a drag queen story hour at a West Valley Regional Branch Library on July 26, 2019 in Los Angeles. The person's name is Pickle. Representative also alleged that one group of students was taught how to perform anal and oral sex. Another group was shown how skin grafts are taken from a patient's arm to create an artificial penis for a transgender man. Cox said some students are too traumatized to talk with their parents about what had transpired. The Minister of Education on the Isle of Man, Julie Edge, has said the Department of Education, Sports and Culture has made the decision to pause all relationships in sex education, RSE, delivery across primary and secondary schools and will be unable to com comment further until facts have been established. Wow. Absolutely disgusting. Clark also weighed in on the controversy and said she viewed the video from Energy FM circulating on social media and related to the outcry from parents. All right. Wow. This, this, Gender ideologies have also been included in the classroom discussions. And in one school, this was led by a drag queen. They were divided into three groups. The first group I'll start with had um, a drag queen come in and the drag queen asked the question, how many genders are there? The children responded dutifully, there's two. The drag queen said, no, there isn't two. There's over 70, there's 73. One 11 year old child got very upset by that and turned around and said, no, there's not, there's only two. The drag queen unfortunately then responded with, you have upset me, get out and threw this child out of the class.
next group was then taught about sex change operations. They were shown artificial penises and they were then shown a skin graft taken from a girl's arm to use to put onto the artificial penis. The third group, they were taught all Sue the school. Sue the school. All right? Create generational wealth that way. Sue the school. Sue the teachers. Sue the administration. Sue whoever made it okay for drag queens to teach at that school. ...and anal sex. And a lot of the children are just too traumatized to even talk to their parents. And even when other friends have phoned up saying, they just go, I can't talk about it. Just not talking about it. So these are 11-year-old kids. These are 11-year-old children. Year seven. Year seven. Some of the things on the English curriculum are interesting. Um, so there's a whole bit on fisting and basically how... What? 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 What did I just hear? What am I reading? Send a meteor, God. Send a meteor. Send it. Send it now. <laughs> send it now. <laughs> How to do it safely and with lube, and I just stand astounded. There's also fetishes were on that, weren't there? Fetishes were on that as well. Yeah, that was there too. And this is again being aimed at year seven or is no, this higher no, up in no, school no. I, what um, age is this being taught to this isn't being taught the, it hasn't said in the document what age that should be taught to um it is basically saying that these things should be talked about in school the manx curriculum is based on the scottish model which has also faced severe criticism uh there was one teacher that spoke to me um and she was very uncomfortable with what she had to do so Bearing in mind she's young, she's pretty, um, she had to go into a group of boys and girls and teach them how to masturbate. And what? What? I'm really disturbed by this story. I am extremely disturbed by this story. I really am. If I had to sit down and give an interview, like if I was a teacher, well, first of all, I, I, I don't think I would be a teacher there because the minute I hear that they doing this, I would just leave the school. I would quit. I don't know how people, how she could have a straight face like that. This smile. What are you, what are you smiling about? I'd be, in, I'd be in a wreck if I had to go and talk about this. I'd feel dirty. What age are these kids? 12. So again, year seven. Yeah. Seven year eight. Year seven year eight. Yeah. She had to go and teach them. And... She's uncomfortable doing it. They're uncomfortable doing it. Um, Understandably. And there was another kind of like story that I heard from parents. 
that um, there was one teacher that walked into the classroom and said, right, I have to teach you this. I think it's wrong. I don't think you're ready for it. So I want you to sit there. You don't have to do anything. You could quit. You could quit. If I was a teacher there, I couldn't do this in good conscience. I'd, I'd have to commit myself to an insane asylum. This is wrong. And anybody who defends this, they should be on the sex offender list. And colour in your books, and I'll stand at the front of the class, and I will teach this lesson because I have to teach this lesson. But please don't listen to me. We have asked Julie Edge, the Minister of Education, for an interview. However, she has declined, but she has released this statement. In light of the public comment, the department feels it appropriate to deploy an independent review to gain an independent understanding of what has taken place and the facts of the situation understood. As such, the department has taken the decision to pause all RSE delivery across primary and secondary schools and will be unable to comment any further until the facts have been established. We would ask the public not to speculate any further until such. Not to speculate. Not to speculate. Interesting. Not to speculate. Okay. Having viewed a video which is currently circulating on social media relating to the school's RSE curriculum and its delivery, we are concerned that there could be a number of inaccuracies with the information being shared, she said. Given the concerns being raised and in order to open be open and transparent, we request an independent review into the situation. As such, I am happy to take part in the external investigation, which is being deployed by the Department of Education, Sports and Culture, and would encourage our community to avoid speculation at this time. She also urged the community to avoid speculation, avoid speculation. Spokesperson for the Department of Education, Sport and Culture, Isle of Man government told Fox News Digital, it is aware of the concerns about the curriculum and move quickly to pause RSE lessons while the investigation is carried out, noting that the safeguarding and well-being of the island's children and young people is their main priority. No, it's not. You're just saying that because you got exposed. Whilst recognizing the concerns, the department cannot comment until the external investigation has been completed and the facts established. The spokesperson added, the department is also aware of a related video on social media that would likely to clarify the document to which it refers is from a third party organization and forms no part of the curriculum taught in prime in both primary and secondary schools in the Isle of Man. That's a weird name for a school. The island, a dependency of British Crown, reportedly introduced a new RS. E curriculum in September, Cox said one teacher on the island had to teach a group of boys and girls ages 11 to 13 how to, yeah, how to masturbate. Another teacher alleged felt uncomfortable with the news curriculum and told students, please don't listen to me as they taught the class. And there's one, here's a comment from Coffee 155. As a parent, I'm horrified that people think this is acceptable. We should make every politician go on record if they are this kind of education. Are they for this education or not? As a parent, it is totally wrong and unacceptable. Don't we as taxpayers fund education? I say school choice. Uh, like I said, the powers that be are taking over. All right. The satanic elite are slowly taking over. All right. A lot of people aren't understanding that.
Okay. And it's going to be a, it's going to be in their face that they have to understand it, but it will be too late. Unfortunately, it will be too late. All right. How many of you know we're going into World War Three? Think our soldiers are prepared? Let's take a look. Let's take a look. As a new challenge, not fighting a war, but filling its ranks. Less than one in four young Americans meet enlistment standards. So today the Army announced a new program helping recruits get into shape, both physically and academically. CBS's David Martin reports tonight from the Pentagon. Fresh out of college and looking for a steady paycheck, Kevin and Jocelyn Sellers went to the Go Army website. The Army pays well. The Army can really provide a future for us and for our children who don't even exist yet. But there was one very big problem. He weighed 305 pounds and she weighed 190. Obesity is one reason more than three quarters of young men and women do not meet the basic eligibility requirements for enlisting in the armed forces. Another is a shocking decline in test scores for reading and math. Only about one third are, are passing uh, the academic test to come to the Army. I blame fat acceptance for this. Army where it used to be about two thirds. Army Chief of Staff General James McConville expects the Army will be about 10,000 recruits short this year. Have you missed by that much before? Well, we haven't missed uh, by that number in, in, in recent history. McConville says the Army is setting up prep camps to get potential recruits in good enough physical and mental shape to enlist. Kevin and Jocelyn Sellis did it on their own, working out with their recruiter, Staff Sergeant Jimmy Vanderhall. I lost almost 70 pounds, and then Jocelyn's lost quite a bit of weight as well. Oh, yeah, so I went from 190 to 160. So about 100 pounds between you. Yeah, we lost the whole person. <laughs> they are finally scheduled to report to basic training in two weeks. But it took them over a year of heavy lifting to qualify. It's a small victory in what Pentagon officials called the most difficult recruiting year since the all-volunteer force was created nearly 50 years ago. Well, this is what happens, okay? You brought in this fat acceptance. You brought in this uh, this nonsense of, you know, you're beautiful the way you are. Never mind you weigh 300 pounds and you are slowly moving yourself into diabetes and heart problems. There was a woman who was a, 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 a fat acceptance model. She died um, this year. She had her own salon. Okay. But, you know, she's not around anymore because she was eating stuff that was not healthy. She was trying to eat healthy pizza. It's still pizza. That's why I never understood people when they like diet Coke. It's still Coke. You have to work out. You have to change your diet. It's not fun. That's what it's called. Discipline. Okay. It's a regiment. You have to follow a regiment to work out and lose weight. You know, they always say abs is, abs comes from the kitchen what are you putting in your mouth okay and it doesn't help that 
when you have these people who really want to lose weight and you have fat acceptance, okay, you have commercials of overweight women doing commercials, what, for Gillette, okay, for Sports Illustrated, all right, it, you're, you're not pushing a positive message to lose weight, okay? When I was growing up, we had, uh, we used to look up the bodybuilders like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Lou Ferrigno, Franco Colombo. And that's who we looked up to, to lose weight, okay? And yes, to get girls at the time, all right? But we did it for ourselves. You rarely have that anymore, okay? With the mass explosion of pushing out fat acceptance, pushing out um, a sexual-driven culture, putting out OnlyFans, putting out... There's no real incentive to lose weight, okay? Because you you have women who are, you know, into fat acceptance, you know, doing things to get attention the wrong type of attention and it creates a culture of women that think they could be 300 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Wearing things that are for skinny women. And because our culture is for that, you see it, the consequences manifest before your eyes when it comes to trying to protect your country from enemies, both foreign and domestic. After gaining 30 pounds during the COVID-19 pandemic, U.S. Army staff Daniel Morello is finally getting back into fighting shape. Earlier pandemic lockdowns, endless hours on his laptop, heightened stress led Morello, 27, to reach for cookies and chips. In the barracks at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, gyms were closed, organized exercise was out, and Morello's motivation to work out on his own was low. I could notice it, said Morello, who is 5 feet 5 inches tall and weighed as much as 192 pounds. Yeah, yeah. The uniform was tighter. Yeah, your height, you you cannot be overweight and you are, you know, that short. Marilla wasn't the only service member dealing with the extra weight. New research found that obesity in the U.S. military surged during the pandemic. In the Army alone, nearly 10,000 active duty soldiers developed obesity between February 2019 and June 2021, pushing the rate to nearly a quarter of the troops studied. Increases were seen in the U.S. Navy and the Marines, too. The Army and other services need to focus on how to bring the forces back into fitness. Tracy Perez Calimos, director of the Center for Health Services Research and the Uniform Services uh, University in Bethesda, Maryland, who led the research. Overweight and obese troops are more likely to be injured, less likely to endure the physical demands of their profession. The military loses more than 60, 650,000 Workdays each year because of extra weight and obesity-related health costs exceed 1.5 billion annually for current and former service members and their families. Federal research shows more recent data won't be available until later this year, said Colimos. But there's no sign that the trend is ending, underscoring long-standing concerns about the readiness of America's fighting forces. Military leaders have been warning about the impact of obesity on America on the U.S. military more than a decade, but the lingering pandemic effects highlight the need for urgent action, 
said retired Marine Corps Brigadier General Stephen Cheney, who co-authored recent report on the problem. The numbers have not gotten better, Cheney said in November of webinar held by the American Security Project, a nonprofit think tank. They're just getting worse and worse and worse. In fiscal year 2022, the Army failed to make its recruiting goal for the first time, falling short by 15,000 recruits or a quarter of the requirement. That's largely because the three quarters of Americans aged 17 to 24 are not eligible for military service for several reasons, including extra weight. Being overweight is the biggest individual disqualifier, affecting more than one in 10 potential recruits, according to the report. It is devastating. We have dramatic, we have dramatic national security problems, Cheney said. Extra weight can make it difficult for service members to meet core fitness requirements, which differ depending on the military branch in the army. For instance, if soldiers can't pass the army combat fitness, recently updated measure of ability, it could result in probation or end of their military careers. Kamaluz and her team analyzed medical records for all active duty soldiers in the military health system data um, repository on comprehensive archive. They looked at two periods before the pandemic from February, 2019 to January, 2020. And during the crisis from September 2020 to June 21, they excluded soldiers without complete records in both periods and those who were pregnant in the year before or during the study. Of the cohort of nearly 200,000 soldiers who remained, the researchers found that nearly 27% who were healthy before the pandemic became overweight, and nearly 16% of those who were previously overweight became obese. Before the pandemic, about 18% of the soldiers were obese. By 2021, it grew to 23%. The researchers relied on standard BMI, or body mass index, a calculation of weight and height used to categorize weight status. A person with a BMI of 18.5 to 25 is considered healthy while a BMI of 25 to less than 30 is considered overweight. A BMI of 30 or high is categorized as obese. Some experts claim that the BMI is flawed measure that fails to account for muscle mass or underlying health status that is mainly a widely used tool. All right. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. All right. So let's talk about this, uh, this guy who got, who, uh, was the founder of Cash App, and now he is no more. Let's look into that. So I want to ask a question. Why are all these people into, you know, digital currency, you know, transferring funds? Why are they all being deleted? That's what I'd like to know. Let's get into this right now. Learning new details about the stabbing death of a tech executive in San Francisco. Cryptocurrency startup MobileCoin confirms Bob Lee was killed early Tuesday morning. Lee was the founder of Cash App and the chief product officer of MobileCoin. San Francisco police say it happened on Main Street in the city's Rincon Hill neighborhood just a 
after 2.30 in the morning Tuesday. When officers arrived, they found Lee with stab wounds. He was taken to a hospital where we're told he later died. This morning, MobileCoin CEO Joshua Goldbard sent this statement saying, quote, Bob was a force of nature. He helped to birth Android and Cash App into our world. Moby was his dream, a privacy-protecting wallet for the 21st century. I will miss him every day. On Twitter, people are also remembering him using his crazy Bob Twitter handle. Kyle Zink says, quote, was scheduled to work on MobileCoin with you tomorrow morning at Crazy Bob. You always believed in me. I'll be forever grateful. Now, no arrests have been made in this case, and San Francisco police have not yet released any details related to possible suspects. Of course, we'll keep you updated. Yeah, this, uh, hold on one second. We didn't, we also didn't have smartphones to escape anything uncomfortable. That's one of the biggest problems I see with youth. Yeah. Um, I will say also sometimes with some youth, you know. Yeah. I will say with some youth, maybe that kept them out of trouble. Maybe, maybe, you know, but with, you know, we didn't have cell phones. So whatever happened, we had to deal with it. Okay. But moving on to this story, um, I'd like to know what is going on that these people are just getting murdered. How is it you don't find enough information of how this happened, how this guy was um, taken out? That's what i like to know when it comes to that. Okay. And let's check out the joke of the week. All right, let's t this this guy uh he gets a Budweiser commercial. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man, let's 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 take a look at this, man. Oh boy, this is this is crazy, man. This is insane. It, it just has to be one of the most. This is what I'm talking about, man. This is what I'm talking about. Our country is slowly being destroyed. People are being slowly destroyed by this agenda. Getting all this praise and adulation when you transition and uh, one of the transgender activists who's uh, world famous now, Dylan Mulvaney, is certainly getting a plenty of that as well as corporate endorsements. I like the fact how they say they get praise, but you don't talk about these people who transform. You don't talk about the self-deletion rate. You don't talk about the misery they go through. You don't talk about the suffering that they go through. They may never reproduce again. They may, they may never reproduce at all. Never had the chance to do that. You don't talk about that. The mental illness um, concerns. Never talk about that. Praise them. Hmm. He's getting big brands giving him not just a platform, but a paycheck. He's an ambassador now for Bud Light, Walmart, uh, Oli Henriksen, Kitchen A. Oh, a second. This is scary right here. I don't care what you say. This is some scary crap right here. All right? That's not his face. That is not his face. Bud Light, Walmart, uh, Oli Henriksen, KitchenAid, Mac Tampax, 
native and amongst other companies and the latest hold up but what dylan companies um companies dealing is ambassador bud light walmart old hankerson kitchenaid artsa mac tampax tampons you tampons seriously wow because of these brands is bud light have a look at this this month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money too. Um, this ad has been widely mocked, and I can't imagine how they think this is going to be speaking to their target market. Uh, why? Brands jumping on on Dylan Mulvaney and, and other trans activists to push their product, even where there seems to be quite a divide between their target market and, and the person they've chosen as an ambassador. Absolutely. We see so many big billion-dollar corporations now sponsoring people like Dylan Mulvaney. No, Dylan even had a brand deal with Tampax previously. Now a Bud Light, which is a drink that predominantly... Look at the nose. This is so. He needs to sue his plastic surgeon. He needs to sue his plastic surgeon. Look, look at this. Look at this right here. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be mean. This is a mental illness problem. Targets men has now decided that hey, we need to get with the trend. Everybody that's trans is cool right now. Let's hop on the trend and pay Dylan Mulvaney tens of thousands of dollars to sponsor our products. And it really is a slap in the face. Imagine being a woman your whole life and you, you don't get celebrated. You don't get that praise where Dylan has been a girl, as he calls himself, for 365 days. And this is his reward to get a major brand deal with a beer company that targets men. I mean, it's just beyond a joke at this point. Oh, absolutely. It's been pretty lucrative for Dylan, it seems. Uh, but some of the products, like you mentioned, just absurd Tampax, women's sanitary products. But this is almost just as absurd, absurd as far as a corporate endorsement goes. It's a she-they outfit of the day. Comes the bride. Oh, wow. I'm getting a little emotional. Growing up, I never thought I'd be able to get married, let alone wear a wedding dress. This mistake is costing. A uh, bridal wear, of course. Uh, why would you pick uh, someone other than Dylan for that? I mean, it almost uh, doesn't warrant comment. Uh, now, I want to talk about something very serious now because you spoke about detransitioning and how detransitioners are attacked. And I want to play a video of Luca Hain, who shares her detransition story and her transition story, and it really is quite harrowing. Have a look. The very first medical intervention I ever had was a double mastectomy at 16. And then a few months later, I was put on testosterone. I'm now 21, and I will live with the impacts of that so-called care for the rest of my life. In the past four or five months, I have watched as my body has fallen. 
fallen apart in front of me, my joints constantly hurting, my vocal cords aching, watching as parts of me atrophy away before my very eyes. And yet at 16, they looked me in the eyes and they told me this was care. They told me it would save me. Despite the fact I was never suicidal, my parents were baited with the idea of would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? Bullied into going along with it. Ollie, it's just another heartbreaking story. And what was inflicted on her and others in that similar situation in the name of care, in the name of compassion and inclusion. In my mind, it's criminal. I mean, how can you perform a double mastectomy on a confused 16-year-old? These are irreversible treatments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see kids that are 15 or 14 having double mastectomies now. They're pushing for younger and younger ages, which is just absolute a travesty. All of these young, vulnerable people are already vulnerable. Many of them have pre-existing conditions. They have mental health struggles. They do not need to be told by a doctor, the only way we can fix the way you're feeling inside is to medically transition your body. And what Luca was saying there, we see this time and time again, doctors coerce parents into transitioning their kids. They say, if you do not affirm this child's gender, you are going to have a dead child. So they like to use that coercion tactic and it works because so many parents are pushed into this by these doctors because, you know, if you go to a doctor's reader, you trust them, you think they're a professional, they have knowledge. Mm. So these parents put trust into these doctors and these doctors betray them. They betray their moral ethics to protect every single patient and it really is criminal, like you said. I tell you, the situation in Australia is even worse because if the parents don't buy into this... They can have their authority removed. The child can be removed from their care because it is seen as abuse. And we've had a case in the courts where a child was removed because the parents wanted them to receive counselling, not medical drugs and, and, and other medical intervention um, in their gender confusion. It really is just such a tragedy and I think we're going to hear a lot more of these stories in the coming years. Now, finally, I want to ask you about Rachel Levine. NBC News has said that she's among trans trailblazers, uh, but you say her record speaks for itself. Tell us why you think this is such a uh, ill-considered award. So Rachel Levine is the US Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, meaning she's second in command of the health services of the United States. There have been leaked emails from Rachel Levine discussing with the gender clinic the return on investment and profitability of a clinic that was transitioning teenagers. So she was basically, he was basically exposed for transitioning kids and talking about profiting from it. This person... All right, guys, I will say, uh, I, uh, okay. I apologize. This guy's, uh, you know, this is this person has detransitioned. So I, oh wow, this, wow, space. All right, so yeah, I'm not bashing this dude. I'm just saying this. This, oof. well, you could see. I'm not trying to mock the guy. All right, I'm just saying, you can see the damage here. I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on his face. This, this is wow. This is horrible recently said as well in a statement uh, during Transgender Visibility Day, 
that their mission is to normalize this. Their mission is to get more kids transitioning. Biden has issued his full support just a few days ago for Trans Day Visibility. Biden issued a statement reaffirming his commitment and the Department of Health's commitment to transitioning kids and making this normal. We can never allow this to be normal. We just saw that brave detransitioner, Luca Hine, talking about the abuse and trauma she had suffered because of this. So people like Rachel being named a trailblazer and also the USA Woman of the Year in 2022. This person is actually dangerous. They even said themselves they're so glad they didn't transition as a kid because they would never have had their kids themselves. They would never have become a parent. Right. So why on, earth would, why on earth would Rachel want to deny other people having kids because these surgeries really do mess up the body? Very good point, and that is something that is quite often lost. We talk about these irreversible treatments, but some of the impact can mean that the person who is transitioned at a very young age becomes sterile, and that is, again, an absolute tragedy, and surely a 15-, 16-year-old can't consent to something that has got such lifelong consequences. How could they possibly fully understand? They can't. They can't understand that. And this is all about money. This is all about an agenda to push. And it's, that's what it's about. It's about pushing this really sick, twisted agenda. It's insane. It's truly insane what's going on. But even more, what's uh, insane is how is this not being mainstream news, what I'm about to show you, all right? This is, uh, this should be having people very concerned. All right. Iconic restaurant chains from Burger King to TGIF Fridays are disappearing as they struggle to turn a profit. So is your local closing this year? Scores of U.S. restaurant chains are axing locations around the country to streamline operations and cut costs. Although modern chains like Chick-fil-A and Sweetgreen have successfully captured swaths of the U.S. restaurant market, some legacy outlets were irreversibly damaged by the COVID pandemic and labor shortages. To keep some of the stores deployed, touchscreen ordering systems to reduce staff requirements, but ultimately many brands and large franchises were forced to declare bankruptcy. A compilation of reports revealed the scale of those closures and suggest that for many, choppy waters lie ahead. First one up is Applebee's. That's closed around 300 stores since 2016, and although it earlier said it was hoping to finally expand in 2023, those plans appear to have changed. Tony Marileo, company president, said an, on earnings call at the beginning of March that building new restaurants were too expensive and that launching additional stores was going to be hard. In 2022, the chain opened four U.S. restaurants but closed 13, leaving it with a total of 1,569. It has not been without controversy and came under fire last year when a franchise owner suggested using inflation as an excuse to lower staff wages. The chain was also forced to apologize after it aired a lighthearted, during, lighthearted ad during a live coverage of the Ukraine invasion. 
Next up, Boston. Oh, man, Boston Market. I love Boston Market. After experiencing its glory days in the 1990s with around 1,200 locations in 1997, Boston Market is now down to about 330 restaurants in the U.S. Once famous for serving rotisserie chicken, the dish availability in supermarkets across the country has caused the restaurant's position in the market to become questionable. 2021, labor shortages put pressure on workers and led to employee walkout, according to Insider, which resulted in the closure of 10% of the all stores. We must take steps to ensure our operation structure will support long-term sustainability, CEO Francis Allen said in a letter at the time. Part of the efforts involved continuously analyzing our geographic footprint and real estate portfolio to assess the ongoing viability of locations. Next up, Buffalo Wild Wings. Despite its popularity, this chicken restaurant sports bar has been closing stores but has retained over 1,000 around the country. According to Scrape Herio data from the beginning of March, the chain has now 1,234 locations, around 45, fewer than the 1,279 it had in November of 2020. But that's a fairly small change compared to other restaurants that have shrunk operations. Locations in Colorado, Illinois, Florida, and Virginia have all closed in the last year. The brand made headlines earlier this year with its cheeky response to a frivolous $9 million lawsuit from a customer frustrated with the boneless wings on the menu were not actually wings. Uh-oh. Burger King. This week, Burger King, once the U.S. second largest burger chain, announced it would lay off 424 staff members as it gears up to shutter 26 restaurants, mainly in Detroit area. Store closures began on March 17th and will continue through next month as the chain shuts doors due to unforeseen business circumstances, it said. The announcement came just months after a major Burger King franchise, Tom's, Tom, Tom's King Holdings, in January filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. In 2011, it was announced as, I'm sorry, it was once touted as one of the top Burger King franchises in North America but announced it would close 90 of its locations across Pennsylvania, Virginia, Ohio, and Illinois as part of the bankruptcy. Cracker Barrel. I've heard that name before. The restaurant is beloved by one couple who met in Cracker Barrel by chance in 2020 that they got engaged in the same location a year later. However, last week, the chain announced it would be closing three outlets, meaning it would no longer have a presence in the Portland area of Oregon. We are saddened that we have been unable to overcome the impact the pandemic had on our business and have made the difficult decision to close the Braverton, Tolton, and Bend locations, spokesman said. In December, it closed another branch in Oregon. The company said at the time that the closure was merely caused by poor performance, but employees told local channel KGW8 it was spurred by concerns over safety. Despite these recent closures, Cracker Barrel says it seeks to increase its current count of around 665 locations by more than a dozen by the end of the year, Denny's. Although Denny's had more than 1,600 locations in the U.S. in 2017, it counts was down to 1,445 in 2022, according to data from Santista. Managing those restaurant locations after the onset of the pandemic became increasingly hard as the chain suffered staffing issues. Even a visit from Kanye West, who stopped 
pie for some breakfast after Suns Saints soccer game couldn't help its fortunes. A video even went viral in August in which two members of the public went to help a lone Denny's employee to, in the kitchen as they were so understaffed. Last September, another five different Denny's locations closed to mashed. A lawsuit forced locations in North Carolina to close, while local outlets in Connecticut, Portland, and New York were also required to shutter. This is crazy, man. Out of this world. Friendlies. One of the oldest restaurants on the list, Friendly's opened in Springfield, Massachusetts in 1935 as an ice cream shop before expanding its menu to include burger and fries. Like many other restaurants, however, it filed for bankruptcy in November of 2020 and closed in multiple locations. But its woes began prior to the pandemic in 2019, closed 14 locations in New York State. You know what? This is just wrong. This is just wrong right here. All right. It's wrong. IHOP, a sister company of Applebee's, also appears to be facing growth issues last year. It had planned on opening around 60 branches, but ended the year with a reduced target of about 40. Many of other openings were pushed back into 2023, President Jay Johns said in March, and the company will focus on retrofitting old structures as opposed to building them from scratch, restaurant business reported. That's how we're combating the economic factors of it costs so much to build a building right now, John says. IHOP has operated successfully for about 64 years since 1958. And although around 200 stores were closed due to pandemic, it still has more than 1,600 branches in all 52 states. And it remains hugely popular. Bruce Willis was spotted in LA IHOP last summer, three months after he had announced he was retiring from acting. And two prisoners who broke out of Virginia prison using the toothbrushes last month were busted in nine hours later, tucking into pancakes at IHOP six miles away. Ah, stupid criminals. It's insane, man. It's insane what goes on. All right. Okay, so. We're going to be talking the last story here. We're going to be talking about this uh, issue with the Russian-Ukraine war and how Japan is backing out of this anti-Russia propaganda. And here is why. Well, Japan has some sense. That's what I could tell you. That's the question. Who is winning the war in Ukraine? And victory is measured in many ways, not just in terms of territory, but also the political goals that each side strikes. Tonight, we want to tell you about Russia's wins. Russia has one more buyer of oil, and that buyer is Japan. And this is a very, very significant turn, a big win for Russia, a big blow to the West, and vindication of sorts for India. Although it doesn't really help India, we'll tell you why in just a bit. But first, let's understand why this is such a big deal. You see, Japan is a close ally of the U.S., Japan joined the West in sanctioning Russia. And now the same Japan has decided to buy Russian oil. How can they do that? If Japan had sanctioned Russia, how can it buy Russian oil? Because it kept oil and gas out of the sanctions, just like Europe did. Japan stopped short of sanctioning Russian oil and gas, and now it wants to buy cheaper Russian oil. This is a setback to America's plans of containing Russia. 
And to add insult to injury, Japan is buying Russian oil above the Western price cap. We'll tell you about it. This move demonstrates what the world has always known, that Western sanctions regime is hollow. Quick question. Why does Japan need Russian oil? Because it's cheap and it's available. It ensures Japan's energy security. Japan needs oil, but it does not produce any fossil fuel. 90% of what Japan consumes is imported, so energy imports are crucial for Tokyo, and you cannot depend on just one source. So Japan is turning to Russia for oil. It is pursuing an independent policy. Now, here's the interesting part. Japan is part of the G7, the group of seven, the world's seven largest economies. And this group, the G7, wanted to cap Russian oil prices. They wanted to set a limit to Russian oil prices. The G7, the European Union, and Australia were all part of this effort. They wanted to fix Russian oil prices at $60 a barrel. So that Russia is not able to sell oil at high prices. The idea was to limit its earnings from oil. $60 a barrel, that was it. But Japan did not join this effort. It sought an exemption, and it got one. With this, Japan was able to buy more Russian energy. Now look at the numbers. In the first 60 days of this year, Japan bought close to 750,000 barrels of Russian oil. How much did Tokyo pay for this? About $52 million. That comes to under $70 per barrel, but that's more than the Western price cap of $60 per barrel. And this is not a one-off case. Japan has no plans to stop buying Russian oil. But it has made some changes to its policy vis-a-vis -vis Russia. Earlier, Russia enjoyed a special status. Russia was among the most favored nations for trade. Well, this is a tag that is given to countries that enjoy favorable trade terms. Most favored nation, that's what they're called. Russia had that status in Japan. But after the war in Ukraine, this tag was taken away. And last week, Japan decided to not restore it, at least for one more year. So tariffs on Russian goods will continue, but none of this will impact Russian energy supplies. They won't face any tariffs, the oil supplies. So much for isolating Russia. Europe has been doing the same. Since last year, it has imported goods worth $186 billion. These are among the top allies of Ukraine. And then we have Pakistan, also an ally of Ukraine. Pakistan is supplying ammunition to Ukraine, and now Pakistan is also buying Russian oil. Reports say Pakistan will order Russian crude oil next month. We don't know how it will pay for it, but this is from Pakistan's finance minister. He said the first order will be placed in the month of May, and four weeks after that, the deliveries will be made. Reports say Moscow has promised to discount to Islamabad. So clearly, Western sanctions are not working. But more bias for Moscow is not great news for India. You see, when the demand increases, the cost advantage may go. And prices are already rising. In the month of March, the price of Russian crude shot up because of increased demand. And today, oil prices went up again. That's because of a surprise decision by OPEC+. Plus. This is a cartel of oil producers, OPEC+. Plus. It's the largest energy cartel in the world. And they've decided to reduce oil output. They will cut exports by 1 million barrels a day. And Russia is part of this group, OPEC+. Plus. And Russia, too, will cut production. How does it help them? It's simple economics. The demand is high. They will cut supply, so the prices will go up. Indian importers are gearing up for this. Reports say India is ready to pay more for Russian crude. And China, too, wants to buy more. With zero COVID gone, 
and the economy up and running, China is hungry for oil, and Indian importers will compete with China in the energy market. Today, prices increased by over 5%. One barrel of Brent crude was trading at above $84. The rupee is showing signs of stress. Reports say OPEC supply cuts could weaken the Indian rupee. All right, so there's going to be some issues with this with India and the BRICS. But um, it shows like how all these Western nations are going to be bowing down to Russia. Okay, I mean, it was really a bad decision to even side against Russia in the first place, since you guys get so much oil from this one big country. And the fact that you're siding with neo-Nazis, that's another thing, too, I find very disgusting. All right. That's another thing, too. And on top of that, you want... America, which is a melting pot of different ethnicities and cultures, to fight against Russia when you guys are really the enemy. Okay, supporting white supremacy. All right. But I'm glad all these racist uh, countries that are siding with Russia are bending their knee now. I'm happy about that. I am. Well, I hope you uh, like the uh, information that was given to you today on my live stream. And if you want to know anything else about this channel, look in the description box. Okay, that's it for now. Later.